You're listening to Parenting Our Future with certified parent coach, Robin McMahon, author of The Yelling Cure and founder of Parenting for Connection. My podcast is all about providing you with the tools and solutions you need in your parenting so you can create the family you always wanted. It's Robin here at Parenting Our Future. I am here with a really special guest talking about a really, really important issue. I think we all know families are forever and that is never more true when you're going through a breakup or you're going through a divorce. That is a really big shift and a really big deal for you and for your kids. And so I am so lucky to have Kimberly Ewerts here and she's the author of Family Redefined, Childhood Reflections on the Impact of Divorce. And I can't wait to tell you about this book and talk to you, Kim, while you're here. And I just want to tell everybody a little bit about you. First and foremost, you are a journalist by trade. um, And throughout the years, you've written for numerous publications, focusing on feature articles where you delight in highlighting people and their accomplishments. But after 12 years of marriage in 1990, you filed for divorce, propelling you and your son into a journey of irrevocable change. The journey was the impetus for your first book, which is Family Redefined Childhood Reflections on the Impact of Divorce. Now in 2021, you reside in Gilroy and you have a new husband and two dogs named Charlie and Murphy. Welcome, Kimberly. Thanks for being here. Thank you so much, Robin. I appreciate you having me here. Yes. And so it's lovely to have you here. And it's not the best topic to be talking about, is it? It's uh, definitely a lot of emotions in this area, a lot of questions people have. And there's so much pain, so much pain. There is. But it's so important to have those resources out there for the, the parents as well as the children that are going through this journey. You, yeah. you can't have too much help. So. Yeah. Well, what I have to say is that I love the way you wrote the book. What you've done is you have taken adults who have gone through divorces in their childhood and you've talked to them and, um, and really, really listened to their story and wrote their story about, you know, what they experienced, how they make sense of it now. And I think that's really important because I, you know, I say, you know, I think kids are really resilient. I don't think adults are necessarily because we (laughs) relive all that stuff, don't we? So, oh yeah. How did you come to this sort of idea of writing a book in this way? Well, I myself am a divorced parent. So Mm -hmm. my son was 10 at the time and I saw even though I knew what I was doing was right, it was the right move for us, getting us out of uh, an abusive you know, environment. But to see how it impacted him that whole first year was just devastating to me. And I felt it important you know, all along to um, want to eventually one day help others that are going through this journey. But I just... Mm-hmm. It took so long, I think, because I had to, I had to have confidence in myself that I could do it. And through my journalism, I've, I've won a few awards and it's like, well, this Mm -hmm. is my strong suit. Tell people stories. Um, And that's how I can help others, other parents and children that are going through this is by you read their stories and see what, what was done right, what was done wrong, what 
little changes could have made a huge impact in their child's mm-hmm. life. And then I also interviewed a, a number of family therapists because yes. that way they're getting free professional advice as mm-hmm. they read the book. And there's even a Q&A at the back of the book with, you know, some universal questions that all divorced parents have. So I just wanted to put as much out there to help those people and their children that I could. And I thought this was the best way to do it. Yeah, it's really great. The back section is the experts weigh in and you do, you have multiple questions here. Like what are the challenges faced by step families? How can parents help a child in transition to living in two houses? So there's some really great information and I, and I appreciate you saying that. And, and because as a journalist, you are a researcher too, right? That would come naturally, so naturally to you. So you're a storyteller and a researcher. So this is not just a book of stories. It's also you talking to the experts and saying, hey, look, this was her experience. What should their parents have done instead? Or what would have helped in this situation? And you have, how many stories do you have in here? How many people have you interviewed? um, There's 10. There's 10 chapters, each one an individual story. Nine of those chapters are adult children of divorce reflecting on from the time the divorce took place or that they were, were made aware of it all the way up to present time. But the 10th chapter is actually told from the mother of a 10-year-old who, when her daughter was 10 months old, her husband came home and said, I'm done. We're divorcing. I don't want to do this. So she tells us from her perspective what it's been like for her child. And the reason I included that chapter is Mm -hmm. because they did it right. They just found a way to put aside their personal feelings and put their daughter's best effort, you know, they made their best effort to put their daughter's welfare first and foremost. And I'm like, you're a shining example of how people should do this. So you need to be in there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's going to be one of my questions is how the heck do you get there? Because that's really important. But in, but before I do, before I launch into all of, all of those questions, I just want to ask you, you know, what's really the goal of this book for you? Well, first and foremost, I want the parents out there that are even considering this path Mm -hmm. to know that you're not alone. So many of us have gone down that path before and we've taken our children with us and it is, you can't sugarcoat it. It's difficult. But if you look for resources to help you and get the support you need so that you as a parent can help your child, you will get through it. You will get Mm -hmm. come out of it on the other end stronger and your connection with your child, I know from personal experience will be multiplied. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and we're going to tell everybody how to get this amazing resource for free. So I can't wait to tell everybody about that at the end. So, um, and, and I think you, you, you said too, that your goal is really to give people hope that, you know, it can, it can get better. You can have connection and um, and some semblance of normalcy. Is that yeah? It'll just right? be a new version of normal. Normal. Yeah. Yeah. I know well, we're all we going. We haven't through. heard that lately at all. No. Normal. That's not overused at all. Well, I started this book five years ago, so <laughs> yeah, I didn't know new normal was going to become such a catchphrase. Yeah. But yeah. It, it's. Yeah, yeah, it's a new um, version of your family, but mm. it's still a family. So let me ask you then, when you're 
are they thinking about this, you know, a, a split, you're, you know, starting the process or you're in it or, you know, it's already done and you are, you know, you've, you're no longer in a relationship. When do you think the best time is to start looking at stuff like this and reading your book? Is it before, during, after? When should people read it? Ideally, the best time would be before, you know, as you're contemplating this, if you're even thinking of taking this, you know, monumental step um, to, to have as much information as you can regarding how it's going to affect and impact mm -hmm. your child is, is crucial. I did not do that at all. Mm. <laughs> I made yeah. the decision because, you know, felt it was right, but you can still make that decision if you know that that's, you know, the only option left, but to, to go into it, knowing what you're going to give your child and give yourself so that you can help your child, yeah. I think would make, I think it would make all the difference. I really mm -hmm. do. Yes. Yes, definitely. Um, and, and I mean, let's be honest in 1990, I even, I even sort of cringe when I say this, I mean, there wasn't the internet, there wasn't a lot of resources at the tip of no. your fingers to be able to look at this. And, and I get it. You, you might, you might be caught that you're in this situation. So it might have to happen while you're in it, right? So, so you don't know, but really what you're saying is at least consume some information because it will only make it better. It will take a really bad situation and make it a little bit more tolerable. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So let me ask you then, are there a couple of pieces of advice or some, some ways to go about this process to, to uncoupling in a peaceful way? Like how, how would parents, if they want to do this consciously, if you will, intentionally, how, how, how do we start this if we're splitting up? Because we don't, chances are, we don't like each other anymore, or right. someone has done something awful to the other person. Like, how do you come together? Yeah. Well, the experts that I've talked to, all of them agree that a united front is what is absolutely best for the child to present them with that united front, you know, sit down with the child together as mother and father and explain to them first and foremost, that this is not their fault. You can't mm. repeat that enough. A child's perception of their world is that everything revolves around them because they're children. <laughs> You know, yeah, well, so yeah. when something bad happens to the family, mm -hmm. it must, it must have something to do with them and they'll assume that guilt. So you can never stress enough that this is mom and dad's decision. We've, we've just gotten to a point where we feel this would be healthier for all of us if we lived in separate homes and you're, you're still going to have us both. We're going to be there for you. We love you. And yeah. And go forward from there. Now, does that happen all the time? No, <laughs> no. Well, that's just it, right? Um, you know, what do you do if you're not a united front? How do you do that? Well, one one of you has to kind of just be the bigger person, and even if the the partner is mm -hmm. being negative about you mm -hmm. and negative about you to your child. Mm -hmm. you have to take the 
you know, be on the high road. upper hand. Yeah, the high road. Thank you. I'm sorry. Yeah, <laughs> struggling okay. there. Yeah. Um, and just explain to just like, honey, mom, you know, mom or dad or is angry right now. And so they're not, you know, knowing how to deal with things that are happening. But that doesn't mean they don't love you. And, you know, we're still both here for you. You have one of you has to step up. Oh yeah, I agree. I agree. You know, for the child's sake, because they have yeah. to understand or get some explanation of why is my mom or why is my dad acting like this crazy person, especially mm-hmm. towards, you know, my parent who I'm, I love you both. So why are you mm-hmm. telling me bad things about them? You know, mm-hmm. they're so confused by that. Mm-hmm. And to Very use a confusing. child as, as a pawn, you know, to get information or, you know, what did mom do last night when you were over there? Or what did dad do when you were within that weekend? One of the therapists actually told me, she goes, I consider that child abuse because you are putting that child in a situation that is far beyond their conception, their comprehension, and you're making them, you know, be like this little spy. And Mm -hmm. that is so unfair to them. So Never put your child in that situation. Please. Yeah, it is very unfair. And and really to go back to your earlier point, our kids are egocentric, right? They, if 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 they think for a second that this is their fault, they will blame themselves and they'll say, "Well, the time that I did the thing and Dad got really mad, and then then Mom and Dad fought afterwards. It's my right. fault. It's my fault. It's all my fault, right? They don't yes. know that there are so many complexities in a relationship, right? They just don't know, and that wears down their self esteem and can create behavior that we want to change and we don't like. And that's the thing that we have to be really aware of too, is that the way we handle this will and can create behavior that has, so it has this ripple effect. If we don't handle it well, it can go really bad, really fast. And one of the things that uh, Lisa, who is the very first uh, person that you talked to, she said that um, so much was out of her control that that Lisa made changes to the only thing that she had control over, which was herself. And I could see that going in a really dark, really down a dark path, really, really badly. So, um, so that's really important. So, so, okay. So you talked a little about bad mouthing. So, okay. So I get it. You have to take the high road and holy cow, is that hard? Because if, if my child leaves me to go spend time with his dad, right? I've got boys. I'm just going to speak as though it was me. And the entire time my ex-husband was saying that I'm a loser. I don't know what I'm talking about. You can't trust me. You know, who knows, you know, mom does all these bad things to you, whatever. And then my kid comes home and starts saying all that stuff to me. How do I not say, well, your dad doesn't know what he's talking about. You know, how, you know, like I would want to defend myself, but really that's not what you need to do. And that's got to be the hardest part of this whole thing is taking that high road and saying, I know dad's in a lot of pain right now. You know, daddy's just really hurting and he really wants to take it out on me. Is that what you would say? Yeah, that is the absolute best way you can handle that situation. Is it easy? No, (laughs) it is not easy, but you have to, as as any good parent, we always want to put our child's welfare first. So you have to take a breath, count to 50 if you have to. <laughs> you <know>? 500. <laughs> <laughs> and, 
and just realize the words that you're going to say to your child in response to that is going to have that huge impact on them, just as the other parents' words, you know, have affected them now. Mm-hmm. And so you want to try and diffuse that if you can. Yeah. yeah. And you're and- only helping them if you do. So yeah. keep yeah. that uppermost in your mind and get, get support yourself so that when situations yeah. like that come up, you will have, you know, um, so, you know, you'll have advice from, you know, an expert on how to deal with that because they'll be the best people that can give you techniques of, you know, how to handle it in the best possible way for you both. Yeah. Well, and I think that what's really important too is to speak in the language of feelings and needs as well, right? Because you can say, and, and I want you to tell me if I'm right or wrong here, you know, to say, well, oh, geez, but that makes me sad to hear that dad is saying that about me. Yes. Um, I would also say, what do you think? What are your thoughts about that? You know, I mean, and so I'm not sure if that's right. So let's say, like I, like I said before, you know, he's, he's saying I'm a liar. He's saying I'm a loser. He's saying you can't trust me and all this stuff. Can I then say to my child, well, what do you think? You know, or is that burdening them? Is that burdening them somehow? I never actually asked that question to the, the experts, but I, they over and over again told me how important it is to communicate with your child in every, um, in every opportunity possible. that you have. So this, to me, would present an opportunity to have open dialogue and honest. And honesty mm-hmm. is key because you yeah. want your child to be honest with you. So why wouldn't you be honest with them and say, you know, that does hurt me that dad thinks of me like that, but he's angry. And, yeah. and we have to understand when we get angry, we say things sometimes we don't mean. So mm. just remember that that could be what's behind it. But I want you to tell me how that made you feel. And yes, how, exactly. Yeah, yeah. 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 So, and the more, the more openness that you can provide them, I think will be received in such a, a powerful way yeah. from the child. And I think what I'm hearing you saying without you really saying it is that it's like, (laughs) it's not about me right now. It's about how did that make you feel? Because if you start going into, oh, well, he said that because he didn't realize that I actually did this. And then, you know, your dad doesn't know that I did this. And oh, sure. He thinks like, blah, 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 right? Like, it would be so easy to go down that road. But no, 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 don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. I know it's hard. Go call a girlfriend. Go, you know, scream into a pillow. Go (laughs) if you need to, but do it later. Your child needs you because... What is very, 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 very clear in your book is how those moments, if they are handled wrong, and look, you don't have to get this perfect. I know you're not saying that either, but when they're handled wrong, it leaves a mark. It leaves more questions than answers. It leaves hurt and confusion. And that's what we don't want. Because again, that creates behavior later that we want to change. And then it becomes about the behavior and we're not really getting to why, like, why did this happen in the first place? Right? Yes. Well, one of the therapists I interviewed explained that a lot of times in your adult lives, after going through a trauma like this, you have those scars you know, from the traumatic stuff that's happened and and the circumstances that took place and you bury them. And Mm -hmm. then when you're 
out there looking for a relationship, you're actually looking for somebody who's going to heal those scars for you. Yeah. And you, you want somebody else to come into your life to help you, th- you know, fill that, that need that mm. was created because of something that happened that has affected you from little on. Mm-hmm. And she's like, what you have to do, you have to do the work yourself. You can't get that help from others to, to make up for it. You have to find it in yourself to get beyond it, you know, yeah. and fix it yourself before you find, you know, can find someone else. Right. And so you might need some help. You may need some therapy. You may need to, to work yes. out what's going on and that's okay. We do need help. There's a, like, we are complex. We are messy as humans <laughs> and we do need the help. And one of the things that Lisa talks about here is she said that, um, her biggest regret is that her mother felt it necessary to put on a happy face, hiding the fears and insecurities she felt, always wanting to appear strong for Lisa's sake. And she actually mistook that for pushing her feelings away for ambivalence that yes. she didn't care. That's not what it was at all. She was just trying to be strong for her daughter. So know that it's okay to say, I, like we said, I'm feeling sad right now. I need to go lie down or I'm yeah. feeling, you know, can I have a hug? Cause sometimes I need a hug, you know? Yeah. And then they realize that mom, you know, or dad feels the same way they do. And if you admit that you're afraid, you know, that this is a scary situation we're going through right now, all of us. Mm-hmm. And I understand that. And if they know that you have those same feelings, then there's almost like a camaraderie between, you know, parent yeah. and child that, oh, okay, well, if they're feeling it, then it's okay that I feel it. But then you reassure, you back that up with the reassurance right. that I'm getting the help I need. I have so much support, you know, I yeah. have so-and-so and so-and-so, or I go see, you know, a, a counselor and she's, or he's helping me through this. So I'm going to be as strong as I can for both of us. And it's okay. And when you have those those bad feelings, tell me about them. Please tell me about them, share them and, and yeah. we'll get through it. Yeah. yeah. I'm glad you said that because yeah, you, you know, if you want to say to your child, look, I'm scared too. And I've got this, right? Yes. Like let's make sure they know we are still reliable that they can still yes. count because now we don't want them to start thinking, okay, now I got to take care of mom. That is too much for them to handle way too much. Yeah. Right. Well, some, some situations, children are put in that parentified role where they feel like they have, Lisa took it on herself with her her mother never made her feel that way. She just, because she's an only child and only children, um, their world is more isolated because they don't have that sibling or siblings to, you know, go through this together. So they're dealing with it all by themselves. So she took on the full burden of, I have to take care of mom and Children will do that. And we have to let them know, no, honey, it's not your job to take care of me. Mom's got help. So yeah. I'm here to still take care of you. Right. <laughs> that doesn't change. Yeah. So it's, yeah, it's key to get the help you need so that you can be the best version of you for your child. Yeah. Okay. Well, so let's, let's say now we've, we've gone through the breakup and now we're either 
living in two separate houses or you've got the old house, you know, maybe you live in with mom and dad's got a new place, whatever it is, however it works out. How do you, how, how, what are, what are some of the things that really help a child adjust to this new normal, this new home, this new dynamic? How do we do that? The experts all agree that what's really important is to give that child a voice during that time because the divorce itself was not something they had a say in. It's happening and they're just brought into it. So with the changes that take place because of a separation or a divorce, you want to make them feel like they have a voice and they have a say as to, you know, within reason. So when you're taking them to a new new home, then you ask them how they want to fix up their room. You know, what kind of sheets do you want for your bed? What kind of covers do you want? You know, what kind of posters would you like to put on the wall? You know, we want, I want this to be a room that you feel is home. Mm-hmm. And then it's also important as therapists said again and again, to bring pictures from the family, family pictures, mm-hmm. so that you have, you know, they have those pictures of the family at both homes. So mm-hmm. they know that, okay, we're not living together, but we're still a family, even though, you know, I visit one house and then the other, right. but um, it's a reminder, you know, yeah. a visual reminder for them to know that mom and dad are still both there for me. So mm-hmm. I think those are the, the, you know, those are the most key things that you can do to help them through that transitional change of, of moving from one home to another. Yeah, I think that's really great. I think that's so good. Yeah, we've got to invite them. Like, let's have this as an opportunity to really like, let's like let's have some fun with this. Let's bring some joy in yes. to the process, right? Like, here's here's the great part about this is that we get to create whatever we want now. Like, let's make <laughs> a superhero bedroom. Let's do that if that's what your child wants. Let's right. make a bedroom. Let's get it, you know, uh, you know, let's just do this, right? I think that's great. I think that would be something really fun. Um, okay, so what about when there is a new boyfriend, a new girlfriend, a new wife, new husband, and then there are their kids? How the heck do we do that? How do we, I know that was a big question. How do we, you know, um, <laughs> introduce our partners new partners, how do we, you know, what do, what is the new partner's role? And then what about those kids? What about the kids that they come with and how do, how do we assimilate everybody together into this new role? (laughs) How do, how do we do that? Well, we have to let the child go at their own pace because this is a huge change and to bring somebody in that you feel, first of all, you, the, the experts say, wait to bring that person in until you know, it's, it's a long lasting relationship. And it definitely, if it's going to turn into a second marriage, but that, yeah, wait until it's, you know, the parent knows, yeah, this is, this is going to last. So you don't want to introduce somebody. And then, you know, four dates later, they're out of the child's life, but they've already made, they said, you know, really needy children will make that connection fast where, so, So for their sake, you know, you take your time and make your decision and make sure that that person is somebody who's going to be, you know, in your life. And then, you know, you want to introduce them to your family and Mm -hmm. then you let them know how you feel and you always open the dialogue. One of the therapists was so adamant about this, that 
it's important to teach your children about safety, personal safety. Mm -hmm. And that if, if you're one of those people that might be bringing in, you know, a number of, of possible uh, suitors, <laughs> yeah. um, you want them to know that they should come to you if something inappropriate happens. Right. Okay. Because she explained that many times, you know, you don't even realize that's happening. So, okay. So when you're bringing someone new into the home, there is a chance of danger to your children is really what you're saying. And th there are some, hopefully you have there. figured that out, you know, yeah. that this is not a, a threat, but right. if, if you're just getting to know someone that again is why you shouldn't really just invite them in right away. Well, and yeah, like I was going to say too, I mean, I think it's really important to, to, to hear that, that really needy children will attach yes. quite quickly and then you're stuck with a heartbroken child all over again. Yeah. That's because they just lost, you know, mom yeah. or dad. And now we introduce this new partner and now that partnership is gone and they yeah. had that connection with them and they're losing, you know, they have another loss and yeah. it's hard. So, so what do, what do we do about a brand new step parent then what is the step parent's role is it to to also parent the child or do they just stay hands off well the the people i talked to explained that the the biological parent should always assume the parental role you you want that child to have a connection with their new step parent but you can't expect them to look at that person as a parent you know, they're, they are someone that lives in your home and, you know, they're going to adhere by the rules and they want you to adhere by the rules. But the, you know, the biological parent is the one that should kind of um, lead that for right. their child's sake. And I guess over time, you know, the, the more connected that you get as a, as a family, then they can start to take on more parental roles. But in, especially with older children, they said they are going to, they're not, no, that's not going to happen. We're not going to listen to this no. person you, you know, you've brought into our home. You didn't ask us about it. So no, we're not going to follow what they say. Right. So the parental, yeah. And then it's, you know, that makes it harder on that new couple yes. because you've got, you've got to make sure that you're on board with each other in your relationship that, you know, the person you brought in will, will step back and let you, let you take the lead. But yeah. I feel to, like I could go down a whole rabbit hole just on this <laughs> subject because there's so much about it. Right. Um, there's yeah. so much about it because what if, you know, the new person doesn't agree with the parenting of the biological parent and there's, yes. you know, and so maybe he or she tries to change that parent. And then there's even more conflict for the child. I have a friend who, um, who doesn't have any kids, but her partner, um, he has a daughter and he, they really disagree on how to parent her. And so she wants to assume sort of a, a parenting role. And I always sort of just have to bite my tongue because I think like, it's not your place. There's a reason no. she's not respecting you because yeah. it's not your place to say that. And, and of course, you know, she complains about the mother and, oh, it's just this tough situation. And I just think, oh my gosh, like you've got to tread so lightly. 
But at the same time, from my friend's perspective, the daughter uh, of, of her partner is really disrespectful to her, is really rude to her, is nasty to her. So then what do you do as the step parent, right? Do you correct that? Or do you go to your partner and she goes to her partner and he does nothing. Um, so I think wow. really, honestly, the situation is a bigger issue. It's really more about the partnership between her and, you know, her, her boyfriend. Um, because that's not a good situation for anybody, is it? No. And one of the therapists was so uh, positive about, you know, it could take years for this family mm -hmm. to actually become united. She says, so the best thing you can do for all of you is to go into a family therapy session, yeah. you know, and, and get the help. And then you have someone there kind of guiding each of you. Yeah. And, if you have that resource in your life, I think that's valuable to every member of the family. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And then maybe you'll find out that, you know, certain members of the family need additional help and then they can get that as well. So okay. yeah, start with a family, you know, group yeah. counseling I think session. That's great advice. Yeah. That's really great advice because I think her solution is to just not go like just not be there when the daughter's there, you know, oh. and just avoid the situation altogether. Yeah. They don't live together, obviously. So, yeah, I mean, I think that's, I think that's really hard. Um, and I think that, you know, uh, in your book, you, you talk about a, a situation where um, the new stepmom, you know, forced the daughter to go to church, said, yeah. you go to church. And that wasn't in her life before. And says, no. if you don't go here, you're not a part of this family. It's like, whoa, wait a second, lady, who are you? <laughs> <laughs> that, what that does is it kicks in our innate counter will where we automatically will not do what somebody is asking us to do because we feel coerced, we feel manipulated, we feel forced. And we're just like, nope, you know, dig our heels in and say, absolutely yeah. not. And then there is even more conflict, right? Oh yeah, definitely. And that was yeah. one of the few times apparently her father actually did do something positive for her because mm -hmm. after that altercation, the next time she came over, they, um, they assigned her household chores to do while they went to church. And yeah. she was like, yeah, I won. Yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, so the, the whole point that we're talking about here is that if you are a step parent, if you are with someone who isn't the, the, the parent to your, to your children, that you got to go slow connection first you are, if it's your biological child, it's your child first. You are responsible for parenting them. Don't put that on the new person, right? You don't get to, you know, take the foot off the gas because now there's somebody new, right? But what about the kids? I really want to know how is it best to get the kids together, getting along with each other um, and creating bonds and connection there when you've got stepkids? That's a tough one. I mean, um, Unfortunately, all the research that I did says time is the only thing that will make a difference. So I guess that's where the parents have to kind of oversee what the relationships are between their, their new family members and try and, you know, um, guide them through it yeah. and find out, you know, what, what is it they need from each other? And yeah. maybe, you know, again, being honest with one another. Maybe you don't have to go to a therapy session. Maybe you can just have a weekly meeting, you know, family meeting and yeah. you sit down and you say, okay, you tell us the top, top 
thing that you hated this week and the top thing you love this week from, you know, all the different members. And at least it gets a dialogue going. It gets the conversation started. And if you can get them to communicate, then a connection can grow from that, I think. Yeah, I agree. Well, and what I teach parents that I work with uh, in terms of them getting siblings to get along together, right? These are, and these are biological siblings most of the time, um, <laughs> is, is really, again, to speak in the language of feelings and needs. Like, you know, why did you say that? Or tell, tell you know, tell um, Sammy how that made you feel. Sammy, tell, you know, Lisa, how that made you feel. Yeah. Right. Like, let's talk about it in the, in the language of feelings and needs, not in the terms of you're right, you're wrong. That was mean. That was nice. You know, you should say sorry. No, like, let's just open this up and let's just listen. I think that what's the most important thing is that we're not only there for our kids, but we're there to listen to them. And if they know that we are their safe haven to validate their feelings, to truly listen to them and listen to them in a way where we're listening to understand, not listening to respond, not listening to defend, not listening with judgment. Like that is, that takes practice. And I know even when I do that with my kids, I'm fighting back my own anxiety. Like I got 10 other things to do right now. And now I'm sitting here, but you've decided you want to talk. And that is my cue to just zip it and sit in this moment and be there with you. Like everyone, every, you know, every once in a while, uh, and, and your son now is 40. So you, you, you're not in this moment anymore, but you know, every once in a while, my kids will come up and they just want to talk and it's like, Oh, Okay, everybody stop, freeze. Oh, yeah. Wherever you are, the kids want to talk to us. Okay, and my kids are teenagers, so that's why this is such a big deal, right? Because they know, and they're boys, so you can see my (laughs) husband and I are like, are like, are mentally high-fiving each other because they want to talk to us, right? And we're like, "Mm -hmm, we have an agreement, all things stop, right? Phones are down, TV's off, whatever we're doing stops, and it's just like super focused on the kids. Um, And the reason why we do that is because they need that there is a fundamental human need that we all have to be seen and heard and understood. Right. And so if we can do that for our kids, especially in a time of great transition of great shifts that we can do that for our kids, that's the best gift we can give our kids, no matter what your situation is, is to truly listen to them. And I really think at any age, my son, yeah, he's 41, but we've had those moments where, you know, you know, you have the normal conversation where you're not really getting very in-depth on anything. And then all of a sudden it suddenly takes a turn and he's, he's really telling you what's in his heart. You know, he's telling you what's on his mind and what's been bothering him. And, you know, it makes you just say, thank you. Thank you for this opportunity that he wants to share this with you. You yes. know, because they're no matter what the age, they're still your babies. So yes. you you want to always take care of them. So mm-hmm. it's yeah, everything you said is is so on point. Yes. Oh, yeah. Thank you. No, that's really great. That's um. So let me ask you, what is your best piece of advice? As we sort of end here, I want to know what your best piece of advice is, and then I know everybody's waited. I want to tell everybody how they can get your book. Okay, best piece of advice first. Best piece of advice came from one of uh, the first therapists that I, you know, I spoke to. She explained to me what a divorce is in the eyes of a child. She said it's like the death of a, fa- it's, it's a death. It's the death of the family unit. 
So for that child, they're going to experience all the um, stages of grief, you know, from anger all the way to denial, all the way, eventually we hope to acceptance. But Mm -hmm. if they get stuck in anger or they get stuck in denial, like mommy and daddy should, you know, we're going to try and get mommy and daddy back together. And you see that this is happening, then you, you have to step in and let them know again, honestly, where you are with your relationship, you know, with their, with their parent and help them through this. So honesty is important and sharing your feelings is important. And above all, know that there, there is, you know, a light at the end of the tunnel, Mm -hmm. you get the help you need so that you can be there for your child and then our children. And then you can all get through this and come out all the stronger for it. Right. And really it's an opportunity to build some skills that will last a lifetime. Don't you think too? Oh, definitely. You know, all of these skills of, of listening, of having ways to cope with feelings, anxiety, with disappointment, with, you know, all sorts of things that may come along in this process, I think it just makes us stronger if we're open about it, if we seek help, if we need help. I think everybody needs a bit of help to process through this because like you said, it's a death. It's the death of a dream. It's the death of a family. It's, um, and, and, but, but families are forever. So this is the, this one dynamic situation where you don't really have a choice. We've got to deal with it. You've got to move through this and let's move through it as healthily as we can. Right. Yeah. 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 So this is your book. Uh, it, look at this That's my book. book, Family Redefined, uh, Childhood Reflections on the Impact of Divorce. So I just want to say you are so generous. You have this. I have, I have actually two copies of this, which I'm so excited <laughs> about. Uh, I just, I know exactly who I'm giving the other copy to. Um, <laughs> and, and so you have this in ebook form and everybody can have a copy of your book. Thank you so much. All you need to do is go to the parent toolbox, right? It's in the parent toolbox. It'll be in the newest and most popular section uh, as we, as we release this episode. So you just go to www.parent-toolbox.com and it's a free membership. And this book is one of the many, many tools that's in there just to help you with your parenting and help you to navigate the complexities that come with raising our babies. (laughs) Thank you so much for this. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. The book is so good. I love the way you have laid it out with all of these stories. It really gives us a chance to say, to really see what this moment might mean for the future, because we always want, like what I find parents want the most is they, they parent into the future they parent out of fear in this moment because of what this might mean for the future. And here is a book that will tell you exactly it's possible, right? It may or may not be exactly how it's going to go, but it at least gives you some help to see, Oh, it's a little roadmap. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. That's so good. Well, Kimberly Ewartz, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for your work and for taking your pain and your experience and turning it into something positive to help other people. I think that's just the most beautiful thing. Thank you so much, Robin. Thank you for this opportunity to share the information about the book. I just want it to get in all the hands of the people that it can benefit. That's all. That's my goal. (laughs) Awesome. Well, 
it's there for everybody. So thank you again. And listen, if, if you know somebody going through this, please invite them to, to download a copy of this book too, because it is really helpful, really, really good book. So again, thank you for being here. Thank you for listening to this edition of my podcast, Parenting Our Future. I'm parent coach Robin McMahon. And if you're enjoying this podcast, please share it with someone who you think might also need to hear this message. And don't forget to subscribe. And if you like my work, I'd be grateful if you gave me a five-star rating. For those of you who like my content and want more, visit me at yellingcurebook.com to get your copy of my book and to find other resources to help you. Until next time, I am wishing you and your family peace and connection.